Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 21. Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord, um, I pray this morning that you would again fill me afresh with your spirit. Help me to hear your voice even as I am preaching, Lord, and be led by your spirit. As I say, Lord, that like that sail in the wind, just sensitive to you, Lord. And I, I pray now that you would till up the hearts of all the hearers, God, that they would receive this word, Lord, and that it would bear incredible fruit, God, for your glory. Father, uh, use this time, use this time, Lord, in a mighty way. Good shepherd, feed your sheep. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, Lamentations is an interesting book. And before we get into it, you know, I don't know if this has happened to you in your life, but we see it happening all over. Uh, sometimes we tell lies until we believe them ourselves, right? We keep telling ourselves this lie over and over. And it's obvious with politicians, you know, you, you hear it, and, and they lie. And, and the difference, really, though, I was thinking about this, they lie, and then they say it again, and they say it again, but then the media hopefully checks them and says, this didn't happen. But they keep telling the lie, right? They keep thinking it's real. And the difference between them and us is that they have all these news media that hopefully can check it and find out if it's a lie. But you know what? Everyone... Everyone has told the lie to themselves that is presented in Lamentations. Everyone. And this is the lie that we say over and over, that the enemy whispers in our ear, and we, uh, we embrace many times. And this is the lie. That sin has no consequences. Sin has no consequences. I mean, you've been doing this sin for how long and nothing's happened. Sin doesn't have consequences. This is something in particular that Christians have a tendency to believe. That's why the main point today is very simple. Main point is this. Sin has consequences for everyone and that includes Christians. We need to hear that. As we look at this book, we find that uh, Jeremiah is the author. As a matter of fact, uh, many people think that Lamentations is almost a sequel to Jeremiah. It was written somewhere around 586 to 575 B.C. It was really after the fall of Jerusalem and yet before the exiles are restored, before they return. So sometime in that time frame is when they think this book, Lamentations, was written. 
And a lot of scholars believe that uh, Jeremiah witnessed what he was writing in, in Lamentations. Uh, what we see is that in Jeremiah, the, Jeremiah foretold of the fall of Jerusalem, uh, Judah, and eventually Solomon's temple as well. So it was foretold in Jeremiah, and then Lamentations expresses the pain of watching this happen. Very graphic book in many ways. Uh, And um, Jeremiah is just speaking what he's probably witnessing himself. And uh, he records what he is seeing in Lamentations in five separate poems outlined in five chapters that we find in the book of Lamentations. Here's the outline. Chapter 1, Jerusalem was once great but now is devastated. In chapter 2, it's the Lord's anger with Judah. Chapter 3, the grief of the community. Chapter 4, Zion's degradation. And finally, chapter 5, disaster and petition. What had happened is this. God had warned his people. When they came out of, uh, of Egypt, God gave them the law, and then he later made this, the Old Covenant and what happened was, is he said, listen, he warned Israel that if they broke the covenant promises and they continued to dwell in sin, we're all sinners and we struggle with sin, but they're going to dwell in sin, uh, that he would punish them and that he would discipline them. And yet what happened is Judah continued to ignore God. They continued to walk in unrepentant and continued idolatry. And that was just the one of many. They just refused to honor God. And it's interesting because when you look in Jeremiah, you see that some of them were very religious. They would go to what we would call church on Sunday and put on the face, put on the mask, and then they would live like the devil the rest of the week. And uh, we saw that in Jeremiah. And here now what's happened is, is that now God is honoring his word. In his kindness, he's honoring his word, and we'll see why. As a result of, of their continued uh, ignoring of God's warnings, as a result, God used Babylon, the world power at that time, to destroy Jerusalem and Solomon's temple, which had stood for over 400 years. Take a look at God's word. Again, Just we could see the pattern here. First in Lamentations 2.17, The Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word which he commanded long ago. Well, when did he command it? In Leviticus 26, 15 through 19. If you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules, so that you will not do all my commands, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. Down to verse 17. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if in spite of this, you will not listen to me, in spite of that judgment, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power. And I will make your, heaven, your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. He's talking about that unrepentant, stubborn sin. And God is moving then Jeremiah, this is interesting because, again, Jeremiah was talking about before the fall. And what's interesting here is that the Babylonians even understood what was happening, that they were the tool in God's hands. 
this godless nation was the tool that God was going to use to discipline his own people. And this is the captain of the guard of who? Of Nebuchadnezzar, of the Babylonians. Okay, And the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God pronounced this disaster against this place. The Lord has brought it about and has done as he said, because you sinned against the Lord and did not obey his voice. This thing has come upon you. The enemy knew. The enemy knew. You can see part of of why it's so important to walk in holiness, because when we don't, when we walk in sin, the world sees that your faith isn't real. And he's, the, even the, the, the conquering army is saying, this is your God that's bringing this upon you, guys, because you walk in sin. You're no different than us. There's no difference between you and us. That's incredible, that series of, of Scripture, when you put them together and you see what God was doing, what had happened here. What we see is that if you go back to the book of Job, you realize that Job is really dealing with unexplained evil and suffering in the world. It just comes upon you. Okay. Now we go to Lamentations, and what we see here is that Lamentations reveals that much of the evil, much of the suffering that happens in the world is a direct result of sin, consequences of sin. And we see that over and over in the news. You know, we look at all the sexually transmitted diseases. Well, okay, much of that is because due to sin. It's amazing to see what's happening. And what we see is that Judah and Israel pridefully thought that they could sin without consequences. That's what they thought. We could sin without consequences. It's no big deal. A thousand years probably here, they kept walking in their sin. And what we need to understand, brothers and sisters, is that we will reap what we sow even when our pride says we won't. That's the truth of God's Word. That's a hard truth of God's Word that we don't like to hear on Sunday mornings. But that's the truth. You know, it's interesting because in the natural world, we never question the law of sowing and reaping, do we? We never question it. There are three parts that I look at when I look at this law. First of all, you're going to reap what you sow. Sowing is just a fancy word for planting. You're going to harvest what you plant. You plant wheat, you're going to harvest what? Wheat. That's the way it works. Another law of the harvest is that you will reap later than when you plant. You plant the seed in the spring, you harvest in the fall. That's the way it works. That's why it's so dangerous to say, well, nothing's happened to me yet. Because the law of the harvest says you're going to plant and you're going to reap later. You know, we don't question this law of reaping and, or sowing and reaping. You know, if you drink a quart of alcohol every day, well, eventually you're going to become an alcoholic, right? Sowing, reaping. And the final uh, part of this law 
is that you will always reap more than what you sow, than what you plant. You plant one seed. Think of a, think of a, uh, a, a stalk of corn. Plant one seed. How many ears are on that? How many seeds per cob are on each one? You plant, you will always reap more than what you sow. Always. Those are the law, part of the law of sowing and reaping. Guaranteed. We do not question it in the natural world. We do not question it. Yet sowing and reaping, or what we would maybe call cause and effect in some sense, is also true in the moral and spiritual sense. And that's where we struggle. That's where we want to kind of believe the lie that I can sin without any consequences. Take a look at God's word again. Lamentations 3.1 I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He's talking about the fact that God is judging sin in his people. And I'm part of this. Then you look at Galatians 6, 7. We know this verse. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Do not be deceived. That's that lie that we believe. You know, Lisa and I talk about deception a lot. And we think the people that are deceived, part of the key is that they don't realize they're deceived. Right? You don't know it. We fall into that. And you know, when we continue to lie about certain things and believe that lie, eventually we believe it's true. We're deceived. And we're deceived that there's no consequences to our sin. There's no consequences. And it says, do not be deceived. God isn't mocked. God would be mocked if there were no consequences to sin in our lives. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And then finally, Hosea. For they shall sow the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. You plant one seed, you get a thousand. You know, it starts out small. You know, the, the easiest picture for me to paint is pornography. It's just a glance over here and a glance over there. And then slowly reading this, and then this isn't good, this isn't uh, graphic enough, and so we go for some more. And this isn't enough, so we go for some more and some more. And all of a sudden, we're doing things we should never be doing, and we wonder, how did I get here? It was all the way back to that little seed that was planted. And now it's reaping what? All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Sin and self-deception are often prevalent, uh, often prevent us from seeing or even acknowledging the sin that we're in. You don't even see it. The Lord's really been working in my heart on self-righteousness and just how deep it's buried in my heart. I didn't even see it so much of the time. And God in His kindness is opening up my eyes and showing me, you know what, you ain't all it, Dan. It's about me, not you. And he opens up our eyes in his kindness to see what we can't see before. And a Christian can deceive themselves into thinking that God will not deal severely with sin in his children. 
Well, I'm a believer. It's not going to be as bad for me. Well, how do you know that? Consequences, reaping what we have sown. You know, nothing's happened to me yet. So nothing's going to happen. I've been, I've been doing this sin for 20 years. It's just the way it is. And God's word comes back and says something very important to us. In Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and de- desperately sick. Who can understand it? We fall into believing that it's okay to sin. It's okay to have those thoughts because they're not hurting anyone anyway. Right? The lie. And there's nothing bad here with this sin in my life except that it's fracturing your fellowship with the Lord except that you're violating His command. We think that because nothing is happening, it's okay. God's looking the other way. Yet, what is one of the laws of the harvest? We reap later than when we plant the seed. We reap later according to what God determines, and we will always reap more than what we plant. How do you think addictions start? Just one seed. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I know I shouldn't, but... That's, that's, what, we, that's what I hear myself saying. So I know, yeah, I shouldn't, but... It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. And then two years later, we're wondering what happened. Because of sin. We believe the lie. It's not a big deal. God will look the other way. And many times, His grace and His mercy are there for us, and He does look the other way. Sometimes in His grace and His mercy, He doesn't look the other way. And there are consequences that we reap. That's why I say that reaping is a grace of God. It's a kindness of God. When consequences hit us like a freight train and take us down and we're faced with the reality of our sin and where it has brought us and we are undone, what does that cause us to do? Hopefully, by God's grace and mercy, repent. That's why it's a grace and a mercy that God brings consequences into our lives. First of all, it makes it consistent with who he is. God made a promise. And he said, listen, I'm holy and I'm going to judge sin. By God's grace, our sin is judged by Christ on, uh, on, on the cross. He paid the full penalty. But the consequences can still come to us because God loves us. He wants to put a hatred for sin in our hearts. And sometimes the only way that we will hate sin is when we suffer the consequences of that sin. And we are overwhelmed by it, and the grief hits us, and the consequences hit us, and we go, wow, I want to walk in holiness, Lord. So you see how God bringing consequences into our lives that are hard, that are difficult, is really a kindness of God? Because he is moving us to a place of repentance. He wants to make us like Christ. His holiness matters to him. And it should matter to us. And I want to be like Jesus. And when I sin, my fellowship with Jesus is disrupted. One of the lies that we believe is that I can sin and I'm just as close to Jesus as as always. And yeah, salvation-wise, that's true. We don't lose our salvation. 
But our relationship is fractured. It's like when we sin against our spouses or a good friend. Our relationship is affected. And we like to believe that it has nothing to do with that. There's there's nothing uh, bothering this fellowship that I have with Jesus. And we walk in the midst of sin. Incredible sin. But we need to understand this. That when by God's grace, when by God's grace, He opens up our eyes to what's happening, when He brings maybe a consequence that's heavy in our lives because of sin, even in judgment, God is the God of hope. That's the good news for all of us. The cross is where we come to. We need to feel the weight of our sin in the first part of this message. We need to hear that because of the lie that the enemy spreads. It's not a big deal. Sin is not. Don't worry about it. So we need to feel that weight. We need to be crushed by that weight in a sense because then we see the grace of God all the brighter, all the more glorious, the hope that is found in the cross, that God would forgive someone like me Yeah, take a look at God's word, the God of hope. And this is part of the verses we read a lot. Chapter 3 is just really rich with a lot of things, so I I just kind of clipped and and put a bunch of them together. Lamentations 3.21, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Remember again the context of what is happening. He is seeing his people, his nation being crushed by the enemy knowing full well that they have walked in unrepentant sin and God is judging them. And he is watching this happen. And you read the first couple chapters and and you can see how overwhelmed he is. This is just such raw emotion in the first two chapters of what is happening. And he's looking at that and then he comes to this place. That's why it's important to understand the background. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. In the midst of all this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. And then we go to verse 39. Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Let us test and examine our ways. And return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. You can see the, the forgiveness happening there. 55, I called upon your, on your name, O Lord. From the depths of the pit, you heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. There's the cross. You're looking for Jesus in Lamentations. Right there it is. It's the hope in the midst of our desperate condition, separated from God due to our sin. Just totally deserving God coming and His wrath being poured out upon us. And what happened instead is He poured out His wrath on Christ for us, all who would believe and receive that gift of salvation by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone our Redeemer, our Savior, our friend. And in the midst of this dark book, we see the cross. We see that there's hope for us. And then we can see, this is just a parallel of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, there is hope for us. No matter how far you have fallen from Him. I don't know your sin in your life. The Lord laid it really heavy on my heart this week that there were some that were in unrepentant sin and it's been a while. And you have believed a lie that nothing's going to happen. And I feel like the prophet Jeremiah this morning, I'm just being honest, I told this to Lisa yesterday, do not take the mercy and the grace of God lightly. You need to repent. You need to repent. And your hope is not in your performance. Your hope is in the cross that Jesus made a way. But if you think you can continue to sin and, and without any consequences, you're wrong. You're wrong. And in love, I come to you and I say, repent this morning. Turn from those wicked ways. No matter how far you have fallen, you can return because of the grace of God. Because of the cross. Just like Jeremiah said, and this I find hope. And I would say this, and this you can find hope. Jesus. Jesus. You can find compassion and forgiveness. Your loving Father has not rejected you. I will never leave you nor forsake you is what he says. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a truth we can hold on to. The cross, the blood of Christ is of great strength. But take full responsibility for your sins. You know, that's what, that's what Jeremiah was talking about. He said, hey, we're, uh, we're here because of our sin. This, uh, this is it. We're here because of our sin. And so we need to take, we need to take res- full responsibility for our sins and the consequences. You know, you continue to read in here and Jeremiah talks about, listen, this, who, who are we that we should question how God is bringing the consequences? We're sinners. God is going to love us enough to bring consequences so we turn from sin. But we're mad at God because he's bringing consequences. He loves you. That's why he's bringing consequences. That's why he's giving us this warning this morning. He's saying, stop. Repent and you will find that God is merciful and he is faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never do it. That is an incredible love. That is an incredible love. And, and you need to hear the truth of your salvation, this glorious gospel that God in His grace opened up to you and gave you faith to believe. It's this, that you were delivered from the guilt and condemnation of sin. But hear the other part of this. You were also delivered from the dominion or the power of sin in your life. One of the lies that the enemy says is that this has been a sin in your life for 10, 15, 20 years. You can't change that. Well, really, I read my Bible and it says that Christ won the victory not only over uh, sin's uh, uh, penalty, but its power as well. So I can walk in holiness. And God can give me victory even after all those years. That's what we can see in the Word of God. That we are delivered from God's, from sin's guilt and dominion. That's called definitive sanctification. 
That's the theological term. That you were delivered from sin's power when you got saved. You don't have to sin. Don't believe that lie. But we will sin. We will struggle with sin. That's just the truth of this flesh. But the lie that you can't have victory over an area of sin is is just not true. It's, It's inconsistent with the Word of God. And it diminishes the power of the cross. So I would say this. Take hold of the of the new life that God has given you if you're struggling with an area of sin that you've been holding on to. Maybe it's just in your thoughts. I don't know. Maybe it is being carried out. I don't know what it is. But I would say take hold of the new life that God has given you, that promised you through the cross. And by God's grace and God's mercy and the power of the Spirit, put aside that sin that is so prevalent in your life. Put it aside. Anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, years, 20, 30 years. Put it aside. It's having an effect on you whether you realize it or not. Put it aside. Well, the good news is that there are two sides to sowing and reaping. And I think so many times, we, when we as Christians, you know, we believe the lie that, you know, that we're not going to suffer the consequences of our sin. But the other side is we look at the sowing and reaping, and what we do, we always put it in a negative. We always put it in a negative. Yet, if you just read the next verses, you see it's not just in the negative. This law of sowing and reaping has a positive side to it. Take a look at God's Word. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. There's a positive. And 1 Corinthians 3, 14 through 15. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That is not salvation by works. That's just God. Again, in his grace, blessing us as he does a work in us that would glorify God's uh, name. Somehow we receive rewards for that. I don't know how that all works. I'm not going to worry about it till I die and get to be with him. But I want to live my life in a way that honors him now, moment by moment. And that's the positive side of sowing and reaping. Because you know what? All we do, we're either planting to the flesh or to the spirit all we do that word so there means to spread to utilize to invest so we're not just talking about sin we're also talking about the resources that God has given us our time our treasure and our talents we can invest those into kingdom we can sow those things into the kingdom of God and probably one of the most important things when we look at this is time Because once it's spent one place, it can't be spent another place. So, 
What does this mean, to sow to the flesh? It means, in part, to sin. Obviously, we, we want to satisfy our own uh, desires, but sometimes it can be a good thing getting in the way of the best because we're spending our resources to gratify our own desires. It's all about us. And regardless of what happens, if somebody's in need or there's a whatever, well, we're too worried about ourselves. And so what happens is, is that that can be a harvest of corruption. What does that mean? It means that it can go from beneficial to harmful. It can go from beneficial to harmful when we sow to the flesh. Something that is good, that is not evil in and of itself, can be used in a way because it is focused on sin or on our own just selfish desires. What happens is, is it can't accomplish what it, the, the greatness that it could. Finances is a good example. Our time is another example. You know, we're so busy with the things of the world that we don't have time to invest in the things of, of God's kingdom, the things that are eternal, that will, ma- will matter. And so in one sense, we're sowing to the flesh and we're reaping corruption. It's the situation where what was beneficial can become harmful or not produce as, as, as great a, a God-glorifying harvest as possible. Now, I want to say again, Christians cannot lose their salvation, but we can lose fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness. Maybe part of the reason we struggle with joy is because we're investing our life in the wrong things. Whoa. They're good things, but they're selfish things. They're not eternal things. And so maybe that's part of what's happening with our joy level, that we're investing in the wrong things. It's all about me. As I said, a Christian cannot lose the fruit of the, uh, the, our salvation, but we can lose fruit of the Spirit. And the other lie is this, is that when we walk in sin, uh, what happens is, is we can't be at peace with the Lord in our, our, our fellowship with Him when we're just delighting in sin. You can't do it. We try. We, we try to convince ourselves of it, but it's just not the same. It's just not the same. It's part of the consequences of our continued sin is what it is. What happens? Well, if we continue to sin, we will reap heartache. You say, well, that won't happen. I, I used to, tell, I used to uh, preach to a bunch of uh, inner city kids, and I said this to them, the law of the harvest. I said, let me ask you something. I said, if I plant corn in the spring... What will I get in the fall? And you say, well, that's stupid. You get corn. Right. So I said, if I just keep planting corn, what will I keep getting? Do I, would it be foolish for me to go and to plant corn in the spring and then tell you in the fall, I can't wait. I'm going to go harvest watermelon. And they'd say, well, that's foolish. You can't do that. Why? Because you planted corn. And I said, why do you think that if you keep doing things the way you used, you've always done them, you're going to get a different result? Wow! Same thing with us. If we keep going on in the process that we're going in and, and we're finding the fruit negative, why do we think somehow if we keep doing the same thing, it's suddenly going to change? It's not. It's the law of the harvest. It, it's not going to change. So if we keep planting and sowing to the flesh, we're going to reap heartache. We're going to reap emotional wounds and maybe shame, and there might even be physical pain that happens, physical things that occur. 
And you keep uh, walking in sin, uh, uh, having a, a struggle with whatever it might be, and then all of a sudden there's physical consequences to that. We just reap that. I, I want to, one of the side notes, and, and this is important for us to hear, because I think sometimes we as Christians can fall into this really easily. We need to be much more like the prophet here, the weeping prophet is what he's known as, and Jesus. And that's in this way. We need to weep over the people that are reaping hard things. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that that, that shouldn't happen because uh, as far as them reaping hard things, okay? Because the Scripture is true. But where I struggle is this, when we delight in them reaping hard things. Yeah, they deserved that, didn't they? Whoa. Be careful. Because we can fall into that, right? Well, that's what they deserve for that sin. Yeah, and I hope it takes them a long time to die. I've heard people say that. I've heard Christians say that about someone. Suffering from a consequence. Reaping what they have sown. And they'll say, I hope it takes them a long time to die. What? If you said that, I want to say this. Shame on you. We should be weeping. Listen, I'm not saying they shouldn't reap what they have sown. They should, because that's a kindness of God. He's trying to lead them to repentance. But I don't want to delight in it. I don't want to delight in someone else's pain. And I do that. There's times when we as Christians can fall into that. We use it as an excuse. Well, it's, you know, they're, they're lost and they deserve that. Man, if God gave me what I deserved, I am undone. So let's not delight in what's happening when people are reaping what they have sown. Let's, let's be heavy in our spirit. Let's lift them up before the Lord. Let's not delight in people's pain. Let's delight that, you know what, God, you're bringing consequences, and I see that as your kindness towards them. It says the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. And in one sense, those, that judgment, that heaviness that's coming is a kindness of the Lord. Let's not delight in it, brothers and sisters. Let's be like Jesus. Let's be like the weeping prophet. Say, oh, Lord, God. So what does it mean to sow in the Spirit? Because that's the positive side. How do we sow in the Spirit? Sowing in the Spirit, I look at it as the same thing as if we're walking in the Spirit, if we're being led by the Spirit, uh, if we're being filled with the Spirit. We want to do things that bring glory to God. We put others before ourselves. We want to walk in holiness before God. We make those choices that would honor God, even if they're uncomfortable for us. We talked about that last week a little bit. The things that would honor God we spend our time and our talent and our, our treasures on eternal things rather than getting caught up in the earthly, which is so easy to do. And when it says here, they will reap eternal life, he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about blessings in this life and the life to come. Okay, so it's not talking about salvation by works, and it's not talking about somehow if we sow to the Spirit, then we earn our way to heaven. That's not it at all. He's saying that there is a truth that when we walk in the Spirit, when we live our lives in a way that honors God, that there's some kind of a reward that God gives. 
And that's up to him. And it will be not only for here, but eternally. To live with that eternal focus is really what it's talking about. So I guess to conclude this message, I would say this. You can't change the past. You can't change the past. God is going to have mercy sometimes and, 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 uh, and, and not allow you to reap to the full extent that you have planted. But you can't change the past, but understand that you can dramatically affect the future by decisions that you make today. Today is the day. Decide how you're going to live your life. How am I going to live it differently? How am I going to sow to the Spirit? Learn from lamentations. What's the lesson? Sin has consequences to everyone, including Christians. I love this verse. Look at this verse that's hidden in here. Lamentations chapter 1, verse 18. The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against His word. But hear, all you peoples, and see my suffering. In other words, he's saying, learn from lamentations. Learn the lesson. See my suffering. Learn the lesson. And then Galatians 6, 9 through 10. The rest of that verse. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So learn the lesson. Don't believe the lie that you can sin without consequences. There are consequences. And don't grow tired of doing good. Sometimes we do that. Well, what, what does it benefit me to be kind when this person is always cruel to me? What, what does this benefit me to, to get in the Word regularly or whatever it might be? I, you know, I, don't, I don't see it. I want to say, don't grow tired of doing good. That's what the Scripture encourages us to do. Keep your hand to the plow. By God's grace, continue to faithfully walk in obedience to him. He will empower you to do that. And when we do, by God's grace, for whatever reason, our great God blesses us, which he's the one who empowers it, and he's the one who does it. And that's the lesson of Lamentations. I hope we all receive it, and by God's grace, apply it so that he would receive the glory and our joy would be full, right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that your word is steady. Thank you that you love us enough to confront us, God. That you don't leave us in our sin. And that you give us warnings that we might turn from our wicked ways. God, help us to heed that this morning. And do this so that your name is exalted in our lives. We want the world to look at us and see that we're different. So that you would receive the glory. So we pray these things in Jesus' beautiful and glorious name. And all God's people said, amen.